Blog Talk Radio. that you hear from the guests, the uh, listeners, myself, all of these are opinions and no one is giving out legal advice or uh, professional tax advice. So let's see, Mr. Rice, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing beautifully. How are you? Can you hear me? Great. Yes, I can. Can you hear me? All right. This is going to be... I just want everybody, I hope you have some pencils and papers and hopefully you're in front of your computer because we're going to be all over the place today. We're going to okay. be all over the place. 
And the reason being that I'm going to be basically talking about what people did last year. I'm getting some reports, letters, things like that, that I'm going to read so you understand what what the other side is telling us, whether it's the truth or not. That's up to you to determine. But it is to help us to tailor this this process of, of life that we're trying to get into. We're trying to live this process of life. This is not a hobby this is a, a lifestyle we're talking about here. And the weird part about it is that there are really no written laws that tell you how to live on the, we call the private side or the republic side uh, corporation as opposed to the democracy side of it. So that there are rules for the democracy side, the fictional side. These people are cartoon characters, McDonald's, clowns, rabbits, whatever you want to call them. That's what they are. They're not real. Uh, that's why they call corporation, corps, start off with corps. It's almost like they are dead from the get-go. So things that they tell us sometimes, they have laws that they must follow. We are dealing with an enemy, and I don't care what anyone says. If you're dealing, if you have an enemy and you want to win the battle, you need to know their side of the story. Well, you need to find their weaknesses and their strengths and not be running away from it. I know a lot of people, I don't want to have nothing to do with that straw man. I came in this world kicking and crying. I didn't sign nothing. It ain't about that. You're still in this world. You're still buying their gas. You're buying their items. So if you're buying the things, unless you got your own farm and your own food and your own gas, then you are commercing. Commerce is the fictional side of this. So as long as you're doing anything, if you have a penny in your pocket, you are commercing with these folks. So you really need to understand what they are about. If you don't understand what they're about, don't complain. Don't be crying. Don't be whining. Don't do anything but, you know, put your head in the ground like an ostrich and and just let them do whatever they're going to do for the part that's sticking out of the ground. Wherever they put their foot at, don't be crying about it, okay? So what we need to do, though, and the first thing right off the bat, oh, my, this is something that we uh, found out Wednesday talking to a tax preparer, and we don't give no names or nothing, but I'm letting you know. Um, I owe you tax preparers, all you tax preparers, even one that may not – he might be behind bars. I don't know. Sergio, if you out there, he might know who he is. I owe them an apology. I owe them an apology. I'm saying that these people are committing fraud by filing. Ooh, family, is that you? Oh, go ahead. See? I moved. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, it was so loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry See? about that. Okay. No problem. These people, as I've been saying, has been committing fraud. I accuse them of, 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 of hoodwinking us or stealing our money or not filing the maximum on our tax returns and all this other stuff. I owe you an apology because we found out not just one situation, even even a, it was even one earlier today that Miss um, Beverly can testify with as witness as well that the information that tells them the correct tax form, 
There's an IRS manual called 6209, an IRS manual 6209. And if you go to Section 2 on that IRS, in that IRS manual, you or is it, it's just the IR manual. I'm sorry, not IRS manual. IR manual 6209, Section 2. It will state tax classes of all the tax forms. It gives you a list of all the IRS tax forms and their classes. And I read it because it was common for you and I who can have access on the Internet in our homes or on the library that we're able to actually go to the IRS.gov, the actual site of the IRS.gov, type in 6209, and the manual will come up. The first choice, the manual will come up 2012, even though there is a newer one, or 2016, but the 2012 was insufficient. Um, anyone could pick it up. However, we found out this week that that manual is not accessible in the Internet at the tax preparer's location. So the location where they're they filing their taxes, they are not able to access that 6209. And I'm telling you folks this because when you confront them and you ask them because we need them, we need them to send a letter to the director when we're talking about OIDs. We're talking about OIDs, and we're gonna, I'm going to read a letter from the IRS about that OID stuff. But anyway, they are, they're following a 1040, and, you, and a majority of you people listening may have W-2s. Uh, W-2, if you look at that section, uh, second section, section 2, uh, a W-2 is a tax class 5, the same as a 1099 OID. If you go down to the third, fourth page, uh, all OIDs or 1099s, all 1099s are tax class 5. A 1040 and a 1041 is a tax class 2. Now, the, the difference, I assume, the difference that I do know of, and maybe some other reasoning that's behind it, but right now a tax class 2 only goes back three years. So your 1040 and a 1041, which is an estate tax, everyone knows what a 1040 is, that's an individual. We're not individuals, people. When we were born, we were in a state. When we die, we are in a state. Now, it's only up to you to want to file an estate tax form so you will get more money back in your refunds the tax bracket is a lot less than on a 1040. A state in a trust is you operate as a creditor. Creditors don't have exemptions, nor do they need any deductions. What's an exemption? Well, the first thing you see on a 1040 asks you if you're single, married, how many kids, 50 kids, and you'll get a deduction for that. you get credit. But having all of these children and being married or being single or being and all the other stuff, and then there's deductions after that where people are trying to get into a lower tax bracket, make less money, so the tax rate is a lot less. That is not what creditors do. They don't do it. You're going to do a 1040 and you want to do it as a creditor. Don't have that first section filled out. 
Don't find any deductions. Just take the total and just find what the tax rate is and possibly get, and get the refund. So, and then we're going to hopefully, if you're going to include OIDs, your refund will even be larger. But I'm just saying, but if you're dealing with a 1041, which is an estate tax in itself, you're going to have a, a lower tax rate. So you will get more money back. It should be take the gross that you made, you total those gross up, and you just get the tax rate. The majority of the time is not more than 40%. So that means you'll get 60% back. But I'm just stating that they don't have that section two that explains that a W two that they get at, that you providing for them is not an individual tax form. It does not belong on a ten forty. It belongs on a seven oh six, seven oh nine. I know nobody ever heard of them. The tax people never heard of them. But if they look at Section 2 in the 6209 manual, it will tell them this. And this is from the IRS. Myron didn't make it up. Beverly didn't make it up. You know, this is something that tells them they're supposed to be filing a 706 or 709, which are also tax class 5, you know, uh, rated for tax class 5. And the W-2 is rated for tax class 5. So, in other words, your W-2 is OID. So, all those folks are, oh, you get in trouble filing OIDs and you're going to jail. If you listen to Mr. Rice, you're going to jail. Father. You've already been filing it all your life if you've been filing tax classes with a W-2. It's a tax class 5. I just want to make sure I burn this in your mind. It is not supposed to be. At least I know my niece, you know, she knows the difference between, and she's what, six? She knows the difference between number two and number five, and they're not the same. A two is not a five, and a five is not a two. So I think that we better start looking at the same thing and quit being ripped off on our taxes. But the problem then, I apologize you folks who prepare taxes. I I even had a... a and earlier, we had an individual who prepared taxes, has an office, and he's never never able to get the manual. And the funny, he has Internet at home, and he couldn't get it at home, but only to find out that his home Internet is hooked up to his office Internet. His home Internet is hooked up using his office Internet. So neither one of them can, can get the manual. We actually went online. He could not get it. We had to email him the manual. Then he was able to read it. And I have a person who's in charge. He's like in charge of a tax company with several agents working under her, and she wasn't able to access it and show her people what I'm talking about. She's been listening to what we're saying but she can't sit there and explain it to the bosses because her nor the bosses have this manual. So I just want to just say, come on, people, I, I, go home, and if you don't have the same Internet at home as you got in the office for you tax people, then go on there, go to irs.gov, real simple, and then go under the search bar that's at the upper top, right-hand corner, type in 6209. That's it. 6209 click 
and two of us did it earlier today. So it still works. And the first is manual. And then when you get to that, you'll see it'll say Section 2. You don't even have to download it. But you could at least say Section 2, and you click on Section 2, and it says Tax Forms and Tax Classes. You would read that. So anyone who does taxes, I humbly apologize. You are not knowing. And we have to understand when we what we're doing to be private, this uh, uh, OID or uh, endorsement of value, acceptance for value, these are things that the majority of them folks out there who are clerks do not know. So let, let's not get on them. And it's not our job to educate them. This is why we always need to be looking at someone who's bonded when we're dealing with these people. The CEO, the chief executive officer, or the chief financial officer. Those are we directing. Now, we're going to receive mail back from these gatekeepers who's interfering and not allowing. And last week, I gave you the penalties that the CEO and the CFO will experience, even if their workers underneath them don't obey the laws. They will be penalized. They're responsible for their workers as well. Somehow, you get it to them. One of the things that you may want to say or when you put on your uh, envelope that you mail to the CFO on the front of it, uh, priority slash confidential, you may want to put that on the front of the envelope. You may want to say tax document so that they know. They don't have nothing to do with taxes. They shouldn't even be opening up. On the back, hold on a minute. Do uh, you remember the um, penalty for the CEOs that you gave us last week? Yeah, uh, oh, say, it, say that. Attention on the back of it where you got the flap at, you need to say attention CFO. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's sealed, you seal the envelope in the back, put an attention CFO on the front of it, put priority, confidential, uh, tax, you know, tax document. To let them know what it's a tax document. So, and no one else, the CFO is the only person who filed taxes. Anytime you see any um, uh, tax returns for any of these corporations, you'll see the CFO name on it. So, nobody else does taxes but the CFO. I'm sorry, what was your question, uh, Beverly? Uh, do, do you remember um, what the penalty was for the CFO? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Let me see here. Uh, I had they located in two locations. The first location will be, uh, and I'm using statues at large. The statues at large, and we gave you the, you know, the quick, the quick short way to get to the statues at large, which was what? What was it? U.S. Code. Dot house. Dot gov forward slash and let me make sure I got this right state us s t a t v i e w e r dot what was it was it h m t h t m I forgot um I, I think it's h, h is it h t m l something like that let me let me I'm sorry about that I've been meaning to write that down. But anyway, 
this will give you a bar, a brown bar across the top where it says volume and page. So you can go to it directly. So now you, I, I guess you all know I, I, I don't rehearse this stuff. <laughs> Uh, this is not a script uh, that you got it recorded in your photogenic memory, photographic memory. Yeah, well, it needs to be more photogenic. The uh, again, it's called it's a HTM. Uh, let me tell you again: okay. U.S. code, U.S. code, U.S. code dot house, H-O-U-S-E dot gov forward slash S T A T V I E W E R dot H T M and you will see if you go to that website you will see you don't need WWW you don't need none you can just say US code dot house dot gov forward slash stat viewer S T A T V I E W E R HTM, and you make sure you save this. Make sure you save it. You can call it, I call it Statues at Large Lookup Chart. Anyway, you could type in the volume and type in the page, and it will take you directly to the page and the volume. So one of the, one of the, two, the two laws that talks about the, uh, the uh, penalty is uh, volume 13, page 116, Section 53, that's volume 13, page 116, section 63 when you get to the page. The other one is 48, volume 48, page 2, section 4, volume 48, Page two, section four. One of them deal with the uh, uh, the emergency national emergency act that uh, um, Roosevelt Roosevelt put us in in 1913. I think it was March the sixth. The other one deal with the emergency banking act. Emergency Banking Act, so the banks, because we've been dealing with banks when we're asking for these OIDs, that there's these directors. The one that's under uh, 13 stat 16 is the Emergency Banking Act, Section 53, that they're responsible for all their employees. So you all can read it. That's the location if you want to read it. One of them gives them a $10,000. I think one of the acts is a $10,000 penalty with a... Um, or 10 years in jail. Uh, let's see here. That would be on uh, page two. Page two on the, uh, volume 48, page two, section four. And you go down to the, uh, like, the, I won't say the last sentence before the last of the bottom. Any individual partnership corporation or association and association is bank. So anytime you see it in this banking code, when they say association, they're talking about a bank. You could replace that word for bank. Um, 
or any director, officer, or employee thereof violating any other provisions of this section shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor, and upon conviction thereof shall be fined not more than $10,000, or if a natural person may, in addition to such fine, be imprisoned for the term not exceeding 10 years, okay? That, that's under the, uh, the national uh, emergency. Now, under the Banking Act, Under, under the Banking Act, which is uh, under Volume 13, page 116, 116, Section 53, that if a director or any association, again, bank, shall knowingly violate or knowingly permit any other officer's agent or, or servant of the bank to violate any other provisions of this act, all the rights, privileges, and franchises of the bank derived from this not shall be thereby forfeit. Such violations shall, however, be determined a adjudicated adjudicate, adjudicated by the proper circuit district or district court of the United States. So they're just saying where they where, where they be convicted at. But they're not even supposed to allow their employees to violate. So we know that they got these gatekeepers. So those are two locations on the statutes at large. And if you read it, that means that it was passed by Congress. It went straight from Congress, the Senate, and the House of Representatives to these books. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, okay, so next, uh, we worry about enforcement and this is when this is part of the enforcement again we're talking about OIDs because uh, this is a tax season if we ever if you do find that individual that could do a 706 and a 709 then you never have to worry about having your taxes brought in by the 15th of April that's only for those people who owe money but you should never be owing money you should never owe. How can you owe something that you didn't have in the first place? There is no money. There's only credit. And it, and it's said on the HJR 192, uh, or I like to go statutes at large, 48, stat 112, 113. Stick that in your little um, lookup chart, that lookup spot that we, just, that we have. 48, uh, page 112, and 113. They're quoting the HGR 192. HGR is House Joint Resolution, and resolutions, we know we make them at the beginning of the year, and how many of us break them by the end of the week. So the point in being here that um, we have to understand, and someone was asking about obligations, and what are obligations? Well, it states in there that every obligation shall be discharged dollar for dollar. We have people who's out there trying to get some money in their pocket. It did not say discharge dollar for dollar and a penny. It did not say nothing about getting you any money, any additional credit. So all those who's doing it, and I got a few letters here that I want to read where someone tried to do that, and they got in trouble Um, back in the day, you know, 
back in June, July, August, people was discharging debts, going out, buying the two people from OPPT, went out and bought them a new truck, you know, went straight to jail. But the point is, say again? No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, one, 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 what's that? One people, something trust. These two folks who runs it, try, one tried to buy a car, went to jail. The other one, because they talked about it, went to jail. So we don't even have the time before they come get me. Don't worry about it, though. You know, we, we hopefully we have the right, right, right words to tell the judge. It's a mindset. So um, I got the apology out the way. I'm looking at. Again, there are certain uh, laws that show uh, an original issue discount. Why is it original? Why is it issue? The original uh, is supposed to come from the issuer, so original issue. The discount, uh, if you want to go into the statutes at large again, we're going about statutes at large, volume 13, page 105, section 21, statutes at large. Volume 13, page 105, and go down to section 21. It talks about to get a 90% on whatever the principal is. So if I got a check for $10 and I gave them a check, they're going to get $100. But the 10% is the discount. I mean, that's the discount that they have to hold to get a 90% commission that they can invest in the market and make money on and they are the original who's discounting it. They're issuers. They're the issuers. So I just want to uh, give you that. Let me read a letter here. Where's that little letter there? Of someone. This is the letter uh, from the IRS. Someone did something to... Um, in response to the IRS, and this is something they say they reached the IRS responded back to them. Uh, dear taxpayer, thank you for the correspondence with uh, which we received on and so so day 2007. So this is last year. We received forms 1099A and 1099OID and cannot make any adjustments per your request per our records. We never received the original copy of these two forms. Let me say it again. Per our record, we never received the original copy of these two forms. The original and the correct forms have to be submitted to us by the issuer through the proper official channels and cannot be handwritten. Wow. Cannot be handwritten, people. Wow. What are they talking about? They're talking about the 1099 OIDs. So we can't write in them. We, we can't, how we were filling them out. No, no, because you're not supposed to be doing the OIDs. It's supposed to come from them. Oh. And according, according, I'm just, I'm just saying you what they, when I'm just reading what they wrote. Let me read it again. We received forms 1099A and a 1099 OID and cannot make any adjustments per your request. 
per our record, we never received the original copy of these two forms. The original and the correct forms have to be submitted to us by the issuer through the proper official channels and cannot be handwritten. If you have any questions, please call us at da-da-da-da-da-da-da, okay, just so, so you know. Well, I'll give you IRS number since Please call us a toll-free number, 1-800-829-0922. So that short one paragraph says a few things that I know all of us may not, you know, understand. Well, maybe because some people who did it, or OID, possibly did it uh, handwritten. It wasn't typed because it's kind of hard to type something when there's three copies behind it, carbon copies on it. You know, you have to have that, actually have to have a typewriter. But it was weird because I don't see, I don't know, there's no reference to any laws in reference to that, but the fact that it's on there and who's to say whether this person, which is the program manager, this is the program manager that wrote this letter. That that this program is talking, one talking stuff. But again, what are we saying? Uh, apparently, it's really not up to us to file the 1099 OID. If you do file it personally, I would make sure that I send them the letter asking them to do it. If they don't do it in 14 days, if we looked at it, the, their rules of how OIDs or 1099s are to be filed is under, again, the law 26 CFR Code of Federal Regulations 1.671 5. Section D is OID 1099s, but you may want to look at Section C. That, that may refer to some other tax forms in Section C. And one of the tax forms I'd be talking about, those guys is in prison, they need to be doing an LTC, 1099 LTC which is long-term care, and I guess if you do your taxes and you file and they're giving you those LTC, I don't think they're going to keep you in jail too long if you're taking the money back at the end of the year. They'll probably throw you out, escort you out, because it's about the money. So if you're requesting this for your taxes, because people in jail should be filing taxes too, or their wife, or their mamas, or their grandfather. Somebody should be filing taxes for them. They can give them the power of attorney to do that and give the warden the 1099 LTC, long-term care, because they're taking money out of their bonds to take care of them in prison. In other words, they may have a paid vacation. Isn't that nice? A paid vacation when to go to jail. I'm just putting an idea out there. I know you're going to, it's running through your head like this man crazy. Well, go look at a, 10, a 1096 and you'll see a 1099 LTC. So that could possibly even for the, you got senior citizens in the homes and you're paying money on those senior citizens. Um, Everything is not coming out of their bank account. So maybe you need to send that LTC to the the senior citizen home who's taking care of your your parents and your family members. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just putting it out there for you. It's up to you to do what you want to do. 
So that came from the IRS. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. Rice. Getting back yes. to that letter. Yes. Okay, so they said that you know how we had our, our, our 1099 OID forms and how we sent one to our bank and we kept one and we sent one to the IRS. They said we can't do none of that. For the OID? No. We'll say that again so I make sure you understand. We 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 send the bank a carbon copy of an A, 1099A. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to. We so need we to. We have do to. That part. Hmm? Say can again. The, can you hear me? I might have to take my. Uh, can you hear what I'm saying? Oh, I hear you now. You're real clear now. Go ahead. Okay. So. We can do the 1099A. We can send our bank a copy of that. We keep a copy, and we send a copy to the IRS, correct? The, the red top copy goes to the IRS with a 1096 yeah. attached to it. And uh, let me see my A here. We're I talking about 1099A. So I'm yeah. just looking and, at the process from that letter you just read. Yeah, the 1099A, you be sending, you would be sending copy B, which is the borrower. Uh, you'll be sending that to the bank because they're the borrower, you the lender. Mm-hmm. And the red copy, of course, goes to the IRS. Okay. Now the next step is the 1099OID. We're not supposed yeah. to do any of that. No. We're not supposed to send a copy. Uh, so the next step is we send the bank the letter that our our tax our tax preparer sends the bank a letter asking for uh, our information so we can file our taxes. Is that how it's supposed to be did? Because we're not supposed to do it, right? Uh, no, we don't. But if you read that law, I gave you twenty six CFR one point six seven one dash five. It, and it's talked about Section C and Section D, the requesting person. Who's the requesting person? That would be your tax person if you haven't filled out that 42848, which is the power of attorney that the IRS gives your tax person that you can fill out and give it to your tax person. So they will be your power of attorney to request to send a letter to the bank. They are That's the requesting person. Right. You said it right. Okay. I just want to make sure of the okay. procedure, okay. you need to do a 2848, and so you're making your tax preparer, yeah, send a letter to them. And remember, the letter I have, the tax person is printing the name at the top, I, and whatever the tax preparer is, and the tax preparer, and then signing it at the bottom, and then have a notary witness's signature, and then you mail the letter, and it's supposed to be coming to you, not back to him, but down at the bottom, I got a return address, it's coming to you. You can go on Scribe and get the latest letter that I wrote and I deposited in 2018. It's on Scribe. Also got a diagram, and the diagram, for those who want to read it, you got to read it from left to right. So people are going down, but each it starts with the left, where they filled out an A, originally they filled out an A, then they received the OID, which they must have filled out too, or they got it from the IRS. I'm not sure, but they received an OID, and then you're going to have to give them an A and return the coupon, 
because they give you a coupon to let you know that they have this debt instrument that they took for you because of some service that you that they provided for you. They took the funds out of your bond, and they're, they're letting you know that it's been done. All you're supposed to say is, I approve it. Or so what someone would mention now, I hear using the word endorse for value, or we might want to say accept for value, or I call it bill of credit because it's a bill and it's a credit. That's what I put on the top. And approval, you say, I approve it, sign the back. Endorse means you must sign the back of it. Anytime okay. something is endorsed. I want to go back to this letter you got from the IRS. Okay. So, okay, so we send the A in to the bank, to the IRS, and we keep a copy. We send a letter. Uh, we have our tax preparer to sign this letter uh, asking the bank to to give us the OID. Now, what happens if the bank don't give us the OID after Again. the tax preparer requested? Well, I mean, on my letter, I have, what, like three or four laws that tell me they're supposed to do it. If they don't do it, then they're sending me the tax preparer who works for the IRS can call, call their boss up and say, excuse me, these people are not following our instructions. That's all. Or, or if you do it, you file the 3949A, which is a complaint form at the Criminal Investigation Division at the IRS saying, these people are preventing me from filing my taxes properly. That's all. Nobody's supposed to prevent you from filing your taxes properly. And that's what they do if they don't issue the OID. Now, we know they haven't done it in the past. But that don't mean if you showing them the law, because the letter has all the laws and the forms that they get. When you order the form, you will get that general instruction form, Section M. You'll get that 1099-INT and OID. You get those little pamphlets when you order those tax forms for the A. You're going to get those pamphlets. And it says that they're supposed to give it to the authorized representative of the state. So, I mean, come on. you telling me how to deal with them when they're, when they're told what to do? I, 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 don't, I, I don't get that. The question, I understand what they might want to want to do, but that's not. That only means that you it's you to call the police. Someone breaking your house, it's up to you to call the police. If you don't do that, then don't be arguing to the thief who broke in your house. We got too many laws telling them what to do. This is the enemy, and we're only giving them the laws that they wrote, and CFR means code of federal regulations. That means it's under, if you go to the uh, general post, what is it, the GPO, government um, printing office, the law is right there in the government printing office. That means everything is a law. It's written down for them. And we, we, I just gave you the penalties of what the CFO will get and the CFO will get if they do not. Give you your OID. They can get $10,000 fine and 10 years in jail. Duh. <laughs> okay, we got a call on this. All right. Okay. Uh, 419-913. Good evening, Mr. Rice and Ben. How are you all? Great. How great. are you doing? Yeah, I am doing? great. Thank you. 
I am great, thank you. I'm a listener, long-time listener, Mr. Rice, and you give a lot of great information. You share a lot of great information with us, your listeners, valuable information. And there are a couple of things that I would like to address, in particular the letter that you just shared with us that 1099-OID, according to my understanding, is to come from the original issuer, which is that private corporation, whether it is Walmart, Sears, XYZ. So when that entity does not provide us that copy of the OID, because I know the original has to go to the IRS, and according to the information that you're sharing with us is that we can use this form 3949A, and I'm going to research that. Now, another measure that I took, because um, I was been, you know, studying with a couple of people, with a few individuals, an individual informed me of a 211 form. This is Form 211, which is the Department of Treasury, Internal Revenue Service application for award for original information. So it's like a whistleblowing uh, form. And it was sent because, um, you know, X, Y, Z. So in addition or otherwise, this is kind of the question I'm asking, is it okay to send the 211 form, which is a whistleblowing form, as well as the 3949, or should we just simply do the 3949A form and, you know, just disregard other information, or would it be okay to do them in conjunction with each other? Uh, What would be uh, perhaps a suggestion from you regarding that? That's the thing number one, and after we address that, if, if there's time, this time I'd like to discuss another particular matter. Okay, well, in answer to your question, uh, it, it never hurts to do it, to do both. It, it, you know, it's better to have it and not need it and need it and not have it. I'm not sure how the 211 actually works, but whatever complaint you're doing, but that should only be done if you're doing, a, if you request the OID and they didn't respond back to you. But we're hopefully dealing with these tax people, and they don't need to, maybe they don't have to file those forms because they work for the IRS. So the the bank is actually ignoring the people who give them the law, you know, the publications to do it. So they should be able to go to their boss and say, hey, these people are not giving it to me without going through all the stuff that you and I would have to go through if we were to do it, because we don't work for the IRS. They work for the IRS, and if someone doesn't do what they gave them law to do, it's the only logical that they can make a complaint themselves without going through the same steps that we have to go through, because they're already in the system. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a task, not for the faint of heart, and I'm not complaining, I'm just ex- I'm explaining and sharing some of my personal Experiences, and I'll give you the most recent one. I call the IRS because they really are people just like we are, and we need a fear. We're calling to ask for help and information, and it is their position to 
disseminate information to those of us that do not understand or completely understand. So I called to ask about the IRS trust account or the IRS escrow account. Let me just make sure I have my terminology correct. The IRS escrow trust or the IRS trust account. So in my mind, these two entities are synonymous or similar or the same. The terminology may be different. However, I believe that they are the same. And it seems like in my head that the redemption accounts are these things. So when I ask the tax law department to assist me in getting these two things that are synonymous with to get them done. I was asking for an agent, an IRS agent, to assist me in getting these uh, this escrow trust or the IRS trust account established. So I talked to two, four, five people that day, inclusive of this person that I was talking to in this tax law department. I know that I was on these calls for duration of approximately two hours. I, I still have the information. You know, we, our cellular clock, how long we want to call. So it was two hours that I was talking to these, these people, and not one person was able to direct me to an individual that would help me understand more about this IRS trust account or this IR or the escrow account. So the long and the short of the story is, is that we are educating ourselves and sharing information. And sometimes it becomes what, what some might consider an arduous task because it takes so much time, you know, but it's worth it when we get to the answer that we are so much in need of. So, again, uh, when we are doing these things, and I understand better now, the 1099 OID is to come from the original. It, it's come, it comes from the issuer. And with that, we have to follow other things. We have to complete other forms. So um, one last thing that I would like to share, and when I addressed correspondence to the IRS with this two 11 form. It said, uh, we received your form 211 with the information you furnished and have assigned the above claim numbers. We will evaluate the information you provided to determine if an investigation is warranted and an award is appropriate. Well, this was June 2017 that I received this correspondence, and I haven't gotten a response back regarding either way, whether it was warranted or whether it was not. So it takes time to do these things. And, again, I really appreciate listening to your call because you share a lot of knowledge with us, and we have to take it upon ourselves to be informed, you know, as to what an entity is, what obligations are, you know, what the formal definition according to Black's Law is for an estate, et cetera, et cetera. So I do appreciate your clarity on that 1099 OID information because that helps me a lot because I had no way of knowing that that was to come from the issuer through the formal, through the proper official channel. So this gives me a lot of information. And if we do not get that information within a specified period of time, then according to what I understand you're sharing with us is to complete the form. Definitely. We'll complete the form 3949A. Well, well, 
Well, Carla, what you just experienced is what Mr. Rice has been talking about. You was dealing with the gatekeepers. They do not know. You have to go to the people that has the that has the bond to get the answer. Just like Mr. Rice just told us, we talked to two tax people, and they couldn't even get the the sixty two oh nine form. The IRS is not even in their uh, computer, so you, the gatekeepers don't know. They really don't. Yeah, and you know what I did, Bev? I said, well, okay, ma'am, and her name was Miss Edwards. You know they give out their numbers and their names. I told her, right. this is what I'll do. I will look up the head of the IRS department, and his name is John Kaskinis, I think it's K-O-S-K-I-N-E-N, and she called him, well, you want you, you probably you want to talk to the commissioner. I'm like, well, commissioner, who's that person? And when I did a little bit more research online and I found this individual, it defined him as a commissioner. So my next thing is to try to talk with the commissioner to get more information on this IRS escrow trust slash IRS oh. trust account. This and see if they're synonymous or if they are different entities or if they are the equivalent to our redemption account. So what do you think, Ms. Beth or Mr. Rice? No, they, 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 they are not synonymous to our redemption account. Your escrow account, everyone who requests an EIN number or when you're born and you receive a Social Security number, that is your escrow account. At the bank, that's like a bank account at the IRS office. So when you OID and they send a 1099 OID to you, it says payer and recipient. You are the recipient. Look at publication 1212. The owner is the recipient. That means they have to send it somewhere where they're not sending it to your pocket. They're sending it to your escrow account under your Social Security number. Or your EIN number if you are a a business or a a trust. Forgive me, Mr. Trust. Mr. Mr. Rice, I want to be sure that I stated it correctly. I was attempting to get information to have an agent to assist me with establishing the escrow trust and or the IRS trust account if they are two separate entities or the same entity. Forgive me. Okay, and I'm saying these accounts are set up on the same day you open up or you receive your EIN number or your Social Security. They're already set up for you. When you file your tax, because you get a W, most people get a W-2 from their job. Well, where's the W-2? That amount on the W-2 is not coming to your pocket. Going to your escrow account under your Social Security number, whatever number is on the W-2 or a 1099 OID, the EIN number, is going to an escrow account. And then it's your job to get it out of the escrow account and into your pocket by filing the correct tax form, whether it's a 1040, 1041, 706, 709. So your escrow account, and it's the same thing, escrow, trust, it depends. If I open up a... If I go to iris.gov and I get an EIN number for a trust account or EIN number for my corporation or EIN number for my uh, estate, 
and I have a social security number when I'm born or I get one in my age when at my age you had to get it when you started working at and as a teenager. So the escrow account is set up there and their job is to send money from their escrow account into your escrow account. That is what the OID is doing. It's taking it from their escrow account, they're the payer, into your escrow account, which would be your social security number or your EIN number. Now, you have to request it from the IRS escrow account into your pocket by following the right tax form. Now, the 1099A takes it from their local account number, because you're putting the account number on the A, at the local bank, and it's moving it from the local bank account into the escrow account of the EIN number of that bank. So it's going from their bank account in their building where the funds at to their escrow account under their EIN number, and then the OID is transferred from their escrow account at the IRS over to your escrow account in your Social Security number. They're the payer, you're the reciprocant. And then you're filing a report, an, a, a, a form, a tax form, which is taking it from your escrow account to your pocket. So I don't know. You're asking for something that's already set up, which may be why they don't understand what you're talking about, because the, those escrow accounts are already set up. Everyone has one who has a Social Security number or EIN number. They, they automatically have that. Uh, escrow account set up. Okay, and I think I'm getting this even clearer now because this 1099 OID that's coming from the original issuer, this form that that, that corporation has to complete, will my job is to eventually get that money that has been taken from my account, my escrow trust or my redemption account to to get that corporation ticket from that account. So it's my job to find out how to get those funds back into perhaps a trust that I have set up in my own personal name or in my company's name. Yes. Does that sound correct? Yes. Yes. Yes, because you you have to give you'll be given that. That's why and and think about it. The escrow account deals with the. Uh, that's why they have an EIN number on on the OIDs. They have a spot for your social security or your EIN number. Yours and theirs. Yours and theirs. They only deal with numbers. They don't care about the names. So they're looking at their EIN number and they transfer it over to your social security number or EIN number if you have a business. That's how the fun. So, in other words, the OID is an exemption, but the exemption is they are discharging your debt. They're giving it back to you. They took it out initially on 12-12, and they got to fill out another OID to give it back to the owner. That's what publication 12-12 states. So they're transferring it. Your W-2 is an OID. It's got the same tax class. And your employer is giving it to your escrow account, whoever social security number you gave your employer. He's transferring from his estate, his EIN number, and telling the IRS, we took money out of this man's account, and we're returning it back with this W-2. And we're giving you and letting you know by giving you your copy, your red copy. But the funds are being put in his escrow account 
at the IRS, and then you have to file your tax form. So the W-2 is a simple a simple way that everyone should understand that that's an OID. And when that 1099-A is done, that's the, that's the acquisition that I'm asking to have placed into my personal trust or the trust of my company. Does that sound correct? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, it has to go into your company. Now, your, your W-2, there's no 1099-A fill out, but apparently they do both, or the OID. After this first year, once you get this OID, you tell them people to send you OID at the end of every year now. So you don't have to worry about doing this all over again. Once you've done this right and it's done correctly, then they know to send it to you every single year without you requesting it, just like your W-2 gets to you without you requesting it. You don't request a W-2. They send it to you, sure what, 15, 15 days before in January, the first 15 days within it, where they have 30 days to give it to give it to you. So these are things that once we start it, we shouldn't have to request it no more. Okay, boy, this is really a great call because this is really coming home better yeah, I, than ever I before. Hope I, yeah, and I hope I'm breaking the I want, you know, everyone to understand what's going on with these OID. All they're doing is returning what was they took out of your account in the first place. It's called discharge. Now, there's still a certain things that are called set-off. Now, some of them set them off for you, some of them don't. But if the IRS says you owe money, that means somebody didn't set it off, and they're telling you. Someone took some funds out of your account, and it did not get set off. You don't send them a 1099-A and an OID for that because that's on the public side. That's discharge. Set-off is on the private side. So you send a 1040-D. They sometimes, on IRS forms, give you a coupon that's a vulture. You have to deposit the money back in their account. They're saying this account has not been assessed. Someone took funds out, and it has not been assessed. They're your friends. They're telling you. Someone took funds out that has not been assessed. Please deposit a 1040-D so your books will be balanced again. On the private side. On the private side. So the IRS takes care of the private side. But they're transferring stuff from one escrow account to another escrow account. So everyone has an escrow account. Because otherwise, you know, if someone sees you a W-2, and it's not coming to your pocket. It doesn't go to your bank. So where did it have to go? It has to go to some account that is sitting there. Mm-hmm. Like Nadine okay. has an escrow account that took money from my escrow account, so we have to settle that and balance that with various processes. Good, good, very good point. Uh, except that escrow account is could be the one they took it from was more likely either the Treasury Direct or the uh, uh, Federal Reserve Bank, one or the other usually. That, that has been taken from because they use your Social Security. Some of them might even came out of your Social Security because they're using that, that bond number on the back, too. Uh, you have so many accounts out there, but they still return it back to your – the bottom line is you have access to take it from that escrow account and bring it in your pocket. Now, if you ask for something and it's not in your escrow account, it's called frivolous. It's just the same as you wrote a check and you don't have the money in the bank it's called insufficient fund. 
So frivolous is the same thing as insufficient funds. I think we all have used that, have heard that term in our lifetime. Insufficient funds. That is frivolous. I asked for something that did not, that was not in my bank account, at my escrow account, because it never got transferred. People who used to do OIDs didn't do the A. So it never went from the original bank account into their escrow account so it could get transferred over to your escrow account. So, therefore, it's frivolous. Insufficient. Insufficient funds. You're asking for something that don't exist. You don't have it in your account. That's what insufficient funds is. It's all about banking. It is all about banking. Now, if someone has a different, that's my analogy. That's what, how I simplify things for myself. If someone else got a better way or another explanation, please let us know. Let me know. I'm willing, until I see here something better, mine's work for me because I, I understand. The IRS is doing me. Every time I call them, I'm talking for hours with them. But we, we laughing and joking, you know. Because they, they're telling me, okay, well, you said I owe this, or I have to fill out a 1040B, and you gave me a voucher, what do I need to do? A uh, bill of uh, credit or uh, the approval? Just write approval on it because it's not really a bill. A voucher is a check. A voucher is a check. So if they sending you, and I do know some of those IRS coupons says voucher on it. So if it's a voucher, then they send you a, it's a check. It's not a bill. It's what they call it's a security of the United mm-hmm. States. Remember, 18 U.S.C. 8. 18 U.S.C. 8. Obligations and securities of the United States defined. They just send you a security, so you just give it back to them. Okay, caller. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Any other callers? Okay. <clears throat> yes. Uh, 612. Three eight eight. Yes. yes. Uh, <clears throat> good evening to all. I got the little bug, I guess. Oh, excuse me. I would like yes, to okay. know. I would like to know when the Social Security uh, literally steals from you because I get a Social Security check because I have diabetes and I have a heart situation. So for four years they've been taking money. I lost my home. They have been taking money because I was not paying a mortgage. But where I do come and say I have to pay uh, a rent, not as much as for my mortgage. But they've been stealing from me. They caused me to go into the hospital back here at the beginning of 2016. But they've been taken from me from 2014. One, because I'm a married woman. I was married when I applied. Two, uh, well, I'm not paying a mortgage. I'm paying uh, my daughter, to which I live with, you know, to help with the life of the day. So wherever she decides to put it, it, it's there. So I would like to know, would I have a recourse with dealing with some taking, and every time, you know, in January, you get an uh, increase, they have stopped my funds totally and completely until I sent them a letter of that uh, HJR 192.3, whichever, that I did not owe them anything because they were claiming since I wasn't 
paying a mortgage that I owed them 3000 and something dollars. So when I sent that, that flipped the script on them, but they still are holding my money. I'm not getting my full amount that I should be entitled to, even though it's not the internal revenue, it's Social Security. How can I make them accountable for the acts and actions of what they have been doing to me? And uh, during last summer, they told me that they thought <clears throat> that my husband was getting uh, what you call it, un- uh, what, you know, when you lose your job and you get the benefit. He wasn't. But yes, they because thank you. And okay. they were taking money from me because they thought my husband was getting unemployment compensation, okay. which he was not. Okay, um, um, and uh, thank you. Uh, you. You said a lot, and I want to make sure that we can break it down real easy. First thing, as far as the right. mortgage, first thing, let's deal with the mortgage situation. Uh, you need to uh, look at uh, the the house that you would purchase. I assume this was a house that you was purchasing. Yes, sir. I had purchased. Yes, sir. Okay, then. This house, are you still in the home? No. No, I was. I was. I was kicked out. <laughs> of my home. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. No. No problem. Okay. Uh, we've been talking about OIDs. Okay. We've been yeah. talking about OIDs. When you yeah. filled out an application for that house, which is wherever the house was worth, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, wherever the house is worth, it's kept in a bank account. It's still sitting in that bank account. Now, I would suggest that you do a 1099A. Uh, to the whoever was the servicer that you was paying your debt to to request the OID for that amount. And you write down, you check box five, which says it's been abandoned, and they were supposed to pay taxes, and you report it. If you receive a letter from them stating that they don't know what you're talking about, whatever, then you do an OID and you attach that letter to them saying that I requested and they didn't give it to me, but those funds is still in that account is a called a mm. demand account. It's a demand. So whatever that house was worth on that application, that will be returned back to you. Now, that's, so that's one way. And remember, anything that you pay, you pay your daughter, you pay anybody, you make sure you pay them with a check. You want to be able mm. to get a refund back on everything that came out of your pocket that you are paying for. You're supposed to get it back at the end of the year, but you need to consolidate it at one location so you can file a 1099 OID on that location. That's what we're talking about, banks. People are going to send mm. OIDs for their checking account, their deposit check, anything your signature, your autograph is on is refundable. Your your autograph is worth gold. That's why I stay with, start with mm-hmm. KU because gold yeah. that's a symbol that's a symbol for gold. So basically, you need to uh, OID your bank account to them. Also, you should uh, go to court on those folks who's garnishing you because if you have look at your mortgage deed or deed of trust. Look at number ten. Number ten says insurance insurance. Uh, mortgage insurance. Number 10 says mortgage insurance. You need to look at that and go to the second paragraph where it says they will be reimbursed. The lender will be reimbursed of any funds that the borrower did not repay back as agreed. 
So that means, and it says the borrower has nothing to do with that insurance. So in other, in other words, it's in your contract. Our remedies is written in the contract, what you are supposed uh-huh. to do. So you're supposed to be able to tell them that they was insured and they got paid. Now, as far as the house is concerned, look at number 18 on the house, on on that mortgage. Look at number 18 on the deed of trust. It depends on what state you're in. It says contract the deed. It's it's talking about you. That's what I had, too, a contract for deed, brother Rice. But. It was done with my sister. My sister is now deceased. But I lived in the house for 23 and a half years, five years back, because yeah. I've been here trying to see which way, what, you know, which way I was going. I was going to leave from this state and go somewhere else or what. Well, somewhere down the line, if you was the man, if you was the executor of your sister's estate, then you could do that yeah. as the executor. So you can still do that as an executor and transfer yeah. it to your or, or you could do it as an executor. Well, she gave it to she, me. She, huh? she did give it to me. She gave me okay. the house. Uh, it was transferred into my name. I do have documents and papers, some, okay. so that affects well, then, somebody. Then, then you have a contract with her. Because, see, your name, if you go down there, her name is still, if you go to register a deed, her name is on the warranty deed. Your name, your signature is not on the warranty deed. Your name might be typed at the top, but your signature is not on there. It, you never transfer it to yourself. You you pledge wow. it to It's a pledge that you gave them. That's why they could come and get it, because you pledge it to them. If you look under wow. the definition. Look under, and you actually actually have to get this dictionary. I've got it right here. It's called the Dictionary of Banking Terms by Finch. It costs ten dollars on a um, what's that place you buy books from? Amazon. 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 Yeah, ten dollars. You need to have it. Look up the word hypothecation. It'll tell you. You know, it, the deed was never transferred. It's still in your sister's name. Because if you go to warranty deed, and the warranty deed is their legal way of Doing stuff which, if you look under under uh, Bouvier's dictionary or to uh, to record or record, it tells you it has not been in, it's an incomplete recording. It's a frivolous recording uh-huh. because there's no contract there. You didn't sign that warranty deed, so you have to create a grant deed, a grant deed with your name on it, and you have a no resign it and you authenticate it. Now you refile it mm. back at the register. You refile it back at the register of deed, and you also send a copy of it to whoever uh, for uh, court that you was kicked out of your house with. So it'll be in mm. their record. And then the, the second part to this hypothecation, if you retain possession, so after you transfer it in your name, then you transfer it into a trust. So they don't have to worry about them coming after you anymore because the trust. Do not follow that to register a deed. That's why people are paying mm. property taxes. You're paying property yeah, taxes because yeah. you're following it at the register of deeds. If you don't want to pay property taxes, don't file it. Okay, and with then, me recording it, I recorded it that I was the owner of the house as well as the land. The guy behind the counter actually, he says, uh, uh, what land are you claiming? Are you just claiming the house uh, that... The land that your house is on, I turned my head. Her, mm. So I, I never don't really answered him. 
Yeah, well, I <laughs> understand. Back, me was I claiming all because I did uh, use a, uh, what you call it? It's a deed that Noble Drew Ali had claimed oh, all the uh, land, but uh, I was uh, actually uh, claiming <laughs> I, I don't even, let's not go there. Please, please don't don't okay. give me a headache. I, I don't even want to go there. Please, right. I don't even want to go right. there. You know, right. if you if you did that, then if you were putting that noble jewelry, uh, noble jewelry trust, who's the trustee? Yeah. Then let them do the job. Ask them to have the trustee of that trust to do the work for you. But I'm not. I'm talking about what you do normally. Yeah, and sir. and yes, and also sir. you have to you also have to report that when you transfer it to the trust. The trust has to report it to the, uh, and remember, the trust is not in your name. The is a trustee, someone outside the family, and that has to report to the assessor's office. And Michigan has yeah. a, a law, 2766. Michigan has a form called 2766 where all real estate must be reported to the assessor's office. And the exemptions that you put on that form is that you have a common law contract, and you sell it to yourself for 21 gold pieces. Now, my understanding is that maybe you could get a, a post office money order from the main post office, not from the USPS, but go to your All main right. post office and get a money order. And you just really just go from one hand to the next hand because post office money order is backed by gold. So gold or silver right. <laughs> under, the seventh, uh, under the Seventh Amendment, it has to go to common law court. They can't go to common law court. They're dead. So all, all of that right. is you. You are doing it on the on the private republic side. You got a common law contract, and and then you have completed what it is with the definition of to recorded by putting that affidavit of uh, of authority on there, which is the uh, wow. exemption, which is the authentication from the state. So you completed. You have a complete recording. They don't have one. They don't have it. Oh. They don't have. They don't have those certificates on there. That, so you never. You never transfer it to yourself. I don't know. Like I said, whatever you were doing with the noble Juali apparently didn't work because you ain't in the house. So I don't know. Uh, I'm just letting you know what. They haven't moved in there neither. Yeah. They, they're so handling anyway. or claiming the property. But they haven't moved in like somebody is living there. Nobody is living in my house for five years with me putting well, you, those papers you, in. Actually, after 70 days, you could move back in there because the sheriff is no longer uh, is, is expired. If you if you walk out, if you could move, if they put you out, after 70 days, the sheriff is no longer liable. You can move right back in. That means whoever did it has to start all over again because only the sheriff can right. take you out of He'll kick you out the house. So he he has a time period that he's working within. After that, you can go back in there, and then he then that person that whoever has that to do it all over again. But they only needed the title so they can collect their insurance and everything. That's why they put you out in the first place because they wanted the yeah. title. But but I'm saying this is how you retain the title, and it says it right there on in section 18, transferring the title. At a future date of the purchaser, it says it right there in, in in section 18 on the last line, transferring the title. Well, that means that you never transferred it. I don't care who no, I you, who's who told you what, but according to your contract, you have not transferred it at a future date. And today could be your future date, so it doesn't really matter. All right. That's, 
That's all I have to say about that. Uh, it's all in your all your right. remedy is in your contract. Your remedy is in the contract. You just got to read it. Section 18 and Section 10, if they try to come after the money. Section 10, mm. you got insured. You got it. You was insured, and you got paid, and you trying to get money from me. That's that's you 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 uh, committing fraud. That's fraud. Mm. And fraud has, mm. fraud has no statutes of limitation, so you can go back for all the funds and say I will take you to court for fraud. You better pay me what I have paid you for the last five years or whatever it's been, because this fraud has no mm. statutes of limitation. But they was five insured. Five years I've been out, and three months. Five years and three months. Well, you add it all up and add it and, and multiply it by three, and you ask for them to give you that. Otherwise, you're taking them to court for for committing fraud. And and you have your uh-huh. your, uh, your mortgage statement and, and or deed of trust, you have that in your hand. So you can see what I'm talking about. I always usually don't like to talk to people unless they have it in their hand so they can see it. But I know there's some people yes, out there uh, running into the same situation. Anyone who's going through a foreclosure or whatever, mm-hmm, it, uh, mm-hmm. you have to do. It's up to you. You, this is a trust, and you are the grantor. You could change the yes. condition of that trust. They're they're kicking you out because of that trust, or, or that in mm-hmm. that trust, and that yes, uh, that deed of trust. It says deed of trust. They're kicking you out because be well. You could save yourself. Using that same piece of document, it's up to you to look at it that way. We weren't taught this. We were taught to be debtors. You have to act like a creditor. Yes, sir. But and, and it's never too late. Even though it was a, a CD, it was a contract for deed, the same thing, because I didn't yes. get the actual paperwork. But he did write a letter saying that I was the uh, the actual owner where he owned a small portion of the property, you know, because oh. he wanted $9,000 cash. Yeah, well, again, uh, but you, you're the grantor. Did you write that up for him to get $9,000 cash? No, he wrote it. Okay, well, that that's it then. Forget it. After that, if you didn't, this is you the grantor of the trust. Nobody can tell you anything. They're trustee. You tell him to pay the $9,000 his own self. You are the, act like a creditor. You can, we we listen to what other people say, but if they are trustees, yes, then you order them. You if you want to be a trustee, okay, fine. I'm the executor. You pay it. All right. Because right. if you don't, that's a breach of contract. That's a breach of trust. They're trustees. They're all trustees. So anyone who says mm-hmm. you owe money, anyone who says you owe money. Are supposed to be trustees to your estate. Now it's up to you to act like yeah. the grantor and tell them you pay it. I'm giving you. I'm yeah. ordering you to pay it. Mm. All right. All right. Thank you, honey. Thank okay. You. Thank, Thank you, caller. Next right. caller. Thank you. Uh, that's it for now. And uh, if you want to call in, you have any questions or comments, you can call five six three. Nine 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 three seven zero one, and push the number one. Well, I had a, I was looking for listening for. I had a caller who called me earlier. He's a bank, and he was just telling us. I wanted him to show us, enlighten us, of what he's doing as a and bank and getting funds. But apparently, he's not having called in yet. Maybe he's listening. You're welcome. You got a half hour on here. You're welcome to talk. In the meanwhile, I want to read another letter from somebody that someone uh, got. 
from the Office of Inspector General, Department of Treasury, uh, office. And I don't exactly know what they did. And the way my understanding is, it was something. Uh, they weren't really active, but it was it was something where they were back in the back in what June, July, August when people were using those TDA routing numbers and account numbers to discharge debt with or whatever. And and those people went to jail and everything. Well, this person got a letter from the Department of Treasury, and it says, uh, we received evidence at this office that you have attempted to establish a claim, that you have attempted to establish a claim against the U.S. Treasury by fraudulently submitting demand documents in an attempt to asset ownership over the Treasury security account, purportedly identifying your uh, by your Social Security and or birth certificate uh, information. Your demand has no legal validity and is not payable through any federal or state agency. Your scheme appears to be akin to a fraud commonly known as redemption. Assessing, yeah, assessing that the United States government, assessing that the United States government has trust accounts linked to each citizen. Remember, this is something they were doing back then. Everybody said, I got a trust account at the TDA. No, you don't. Nobody has a minor account at the TDA. Minors cannot set up account. The custodian set up account for you in their primary account. The minors do not have an account there. It was set up by the custodian in his account. That's why you have to go in and set up a TDA account for yourself so that you can tell that uh, custodian, I am now at the age of majority. All the funds you have in the, from the minor transfer it over to my TDA. I'm just putting it out there like that. Okay, and it says uh, this theory is unsupported in fact or law and has been Soundly rejected by the federal courts, and they get Brian versus versus uh, Washington Mutual Bank um, and United States versus Anderson and a whole lot of other names. Such claims and demand against the United Treasury is wholly unfounded. Be advised that uh, presenting documents uh, su- su- submitted upon such fraud or or assisting any other individual or entity in the preparation of such a demand may subject you to civil penalties and criminal persecution for presenting false claims, making false statements, and frivolous obligations under Title 18, the United States Code. You may wish to seek uh, competent legal counsel regarding the laws and penalties applicable to these offenses. And it's given by somebody named consul, somebody who's a consul, which to me you don't seem, but it's it's got a little seal in the corner saying Department of Inspector General, and then it's got the letter on top, Department of the Treasury. But, um, you know, 
uh, I don't. I personally now don't want to really. You shouldn't really be dealing with those treasury director counselors. Now I was hoping this guy who said he opened up a bank account. We have a bank. We're going to open up a treasury as a bank because actually those are the people that's really qualified to go into your treasury. You know the banks. So we would. We you know to your demand account at the. Uh, uh, I mean not the demand account, but the TBA account or the uh, Federal Reserve Bank using your social security number and your uh, autograph. Because they're going through you, Vista, VIA. They got to go through you to even get to those accounts. They can't touch the treasury direct. They're corporations, corps. They're dead. They can't mess with the national. What's national? National banking system is the U.S. system. Federal banking system is the uh, uh, private bankers, those 12 uh, private bankers. And those two, those people, nobody could even, and these corporations cannot tap on them. They use you to get from that account, and then they steal it from you, in other words. So you rob them from the bank, and then they're robbing it from you. That is the, That was the thing that people kept saying. Oh, we got an account. I said, no, you don't. You know, you was a minor. Minors can't open up account. Someone opened it up for you. They opened it up account using you, but it went into their account as as the custodian. Now, it's only right that you start telling them that you are at the age of majority and you can handle your own affairs. And how you do that is simply, you know, again, going into the republic, showing them that you're not a U.S. citizen. And whatever means the people do it, American national, state national, uh, you become... And please understand, there is a difference between a citizen of the United States and a United States citizen. There's a difference between one of the bankers. All the bankers are said they took an oath of office for the state. You, their state representative, took an oath to become there. We didn't take oaths when we grew up. I know when we were born. That's why we slaves. People who take oaths are part of it in the state. For some reason, the state won't give you an oath, even though you're supposed to be a state resident. But we're still under the court. We're a corporate. We're under under the presumption of being a uh, in a democracy under the state of, in my case, state of Michigan, and not Michigan State. So you have two entities occupying the same space in everybody's geographical uh, area of their state. There's the state of, and then there's the state, period. So you got Michigan State, and then you got the state of Michigan. And anytime you see the word of, it's more of a corporation. It's like the United States of America. It's not the same as the United States for America that was done in 1789. So we got another one when they went to uh 1871 and started corporations and stuff, although they had corporations before, but the corporations were set up in 1871, the act of 1871. Everyone in the United States was a corporation, and everybody underneath it became a corporation. So you're saying that we're not U.S. citizens. We are Article 14 citizens. What's the difference? Well, uh, Article 4, uh, I mean. 
Yeah, Article 4 in the Constitution, under full faith and credit, those are we the people. That's what we, we the people. We the people are the ones that have those uh, those seven amendments. It's actually for us, even though I mentioned the seventh amendment for 21, but you did a common law contract that is a hint that you are one of the people. We are the people. But a U.S. citizen is not a people. You are chattels, which are, in other words, you might as well say cattle. You are property. And, oh, wow, if you listen to uh, um, uh, Eon has a recording he done on the 7th of, of this month, and he talks about things you need to know. And he talks about that chattel and cattle, and he goes to what uh, estates are and property and all those things, he breaks it down in definitions. He uses uh, the Senate Senate um, reports where they were sitting reports. I use the statutes at large. He used the Senate report reports and telling you what things are, how things were set up. So you may want to go and listen to uh, Eon um, on uh, YouTube and the things that you should, you need to know, and I believe it's on the 7th of January, 2018. And or uh, Gateway to the Republic, and that is by uh, Rob Ryder, one of our local people here in um, Michigan. Gateway to the Republic, using the post office as your gateway to the Republic. Post office was here before the country was developed, and it'll be here after the country's gone. So these are ways, again, you in the Republic... And, and most people don't know that it's a difference between the post office yeah. and the United States. Um, the, the post office is usually the one that's by the water. Right. Yeah, they usually or, be near the water. Do it say post office on there, and the other branches usually say postal service. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes, those are two different uh, two different items. Uh, postal office is under the UPU, and U.S. Postal Service is a whole different entity. One is in Switzerland. The UPU is in Spurs, Switzerland, I believe it is. And, and the post office is a bank. Yes. Yeah. Don't they have and they, they, Yeah, they're based on gold. They have gold. Everything in the post office is based on gold. So, so when you request, uh-huh. go ahead. I have another caller. Uh, okay. 313458. 313. Hello. Are you on mute? Make sure that your phone is not uh, muted. How you doing, Sister, uh, Sister uh, Beverly, Brother Rice? This is uh, Brother Greg. Greg. I'm, yes, how are you doing, Greg. Brother Greg? Yeah, I'm just getting over a cold, so I couldn't call in okay. earlier. I couldn't barely talk. Uh, oh. You're right. When you mentioned um, about the, uh, the office and then the postal service, it is two different ones because the post office following the UPU, UPU and also the post office is under a postal treaty. So when they you, switch. You, 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 work, you work for, don't you? You work for the post office, yeah. correct? Okay, yes, so they yes. uh, we get it from the horse. We get it from one of the horses' mouth. I want people to understand that. When I talked to the union, postal union, they didn't even know about the postal treaty or the UPU. 
the youth, the the universal postal union. And I think that's under the Vatican. But, you know, they were kind of shell-shocked. I mentioned the postal treaty, and I seen it when when McBride uh, had his uh, his paperwork. And I said, oh, it's a postal treaty. He said, yes. Yes, and that goes all the way back. Oh, you do? Uh And what did you think about that 18 U.S., the homework assignment that I I submitted to you, the 18 U.S. Statue 500? With the postal money orders being backed by the gold, I haven't I haven't looked at it. I'm glad you mentioned because oh, I didn't write it down. Thank you. Uh huh. Because I think you put it up that last last week when I talked to you when we were, um, I think we called you uh, and you were saying look for it, you know, for the homework assignment. And it was titled, you know, it was 18 U.S. Mm-hmm. Statue 500, talking about the postal money orders being okay. backed by gold. Mm-hmm. It's the law, because you always say the law, because uh, Brother Rice, uh, 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 that other website only talks, but it didn't have no, it didn't have no law, you know. Um, and then you know the one from Cornell University. Right. That's what we uh, got that from. Um, so um, I think what um, it, 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 it also uh, backs up when you were saying about the dollar stamp. Being the equivalent of a silver coining, and then it talks about the one cent stamp and the two cent stamp. That, you know, stamps being bonded as far as the register mail, uh, register mail label being bonded. Okay, and and hmm. I need I need you to look at the uh, uh, wild rider in our area to look at that uh, uh, gateway to the republic. He's talking about okay. I have. I have a CR ID, which is a what, customer register ID, and an MID, which is a, a metered ID, where I'm supposed to be able to get canceled stamps, uh, you know, a, a barcode for canceled stamps, so that I could put that on anything, any documents that I have, I could put that stamp on there, and it turns everything under 18 U.S.C. 8. It makes all my bills turn over to the United States to have to deal with it. Right, right, and I think that that yeah, title. Um, I think that talks about that too, about the cancel stamps. Yeah, that title eighteen USC eight, the last section, which was added uh, years later, cancel stamps. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking at that as being something that we can use as evidence. And when we do an affidavit or something on these birth certificates or these certificates. We may, uh, anytime an affidavit is done, you may want to put a, a dollar stamp on there and sign the cross and then flip it over on the last page and put a two-cent stamp on it because that makes it out of their jurisdiction into something better than they are. You're not, part of, you're not a U.S. citizen. Right. <clears throat> just, like the U, just like the UPU is not under the United States Corporation. Oh, no. <clears throat> They, they control by them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are standing for you. If these people don't recognize it, again, how do we enforce? How do you enforce things? Well, we have something that's not only better than us outside our jurisdiction, but it's outside of theirs too. So if you're part of the post office, it, it's not much they can do. They can't do anything to you. They better obey their rules. So is that yeah. how? When I go down to the main post office, 
they have their own private police and everything, but at the, all, all the other poster offices, you don't see that. Right, but they send they send them out that that should be a problem at the post postal service or the little branches in mm-hmm. the okay in the, in, the, in the neighborhood. But yeah, they start okay. off downtown at the post office. Okay, right. Okay. Okay, and so uh, for your your throat, take you some uh, raw honey and cinnamon. Raw honey and cinnamon. Yeah, get you a spoonful of raw honey, organic if you can. Sprinkle some cinnamon on top of it and take it. And it'll uh, get rid of the bacteria and the virus. Uh, Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Wait a minute, I did the wrong one. Um, Myra, Mr. Rice. Mr. Rice? Mr. Rice? Did I cut you off? Shoot. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rice? Hello? Is your mute button on, Mr. Rice? I see you. You're still live. Can you hear me, but we can't hear you? Okay. Let me see what's going on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mr. Rice? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, no, I can. I got you. That was me. That was my fault. Yeah. I, okay, because I'm hitting I'm hit star six. I'm star six and all across my screen here. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't get no, back that to you. Okay. Uh, I right. wanted to ask you about the library code. Oh, yes. Um, the Libra Code is, uh, I guess, in uh, 1863 when um, uh, the uh, um, Lincoln put us under uh, martial law, they had to have rules on the Libra Code. Uh, again, the uh, president, I believe, I believe Obama even said it at one time that we were under martial law, which makes him the uh, commander-in-chief. So being that he's the commander-in-chief, I have to assume that I don't know who write the laws for this uh, martial law, but I have to assume the commander chief is the one, if anyone can, he would be able to add laws on there and, or take away from laws. But I'm not really sure how the law is set up for that martial law. I know uh, number 31 and there with all public uh, things, belongs to the uh, government, uh, belongs to the government, all the public property. But when you go down to 38, it talks about the private property. Uh, if you're not insurrectionist, that the, the commander-in-chief will give you a receipt, and that receipt is called a warehouse receipt, which is your birth certificate for you, for you to indemnify indemnify and if you look up that dictionary of black law it is to recover so we can we can actually get back as private and it says private on there it's talking about public in 38 but no i mean in 31 but in 38 it's talking about private property could be redeemed if you're not insurrectionist or you're not being uh 
or subordinate or starting up starting up any trouble, whatever, that the commander in chief will give you a receipt that you can identify. Mm-hmm. So that's a way of what we've been doing. Uh, but we're not so much owning stuff as we are controlling it by uh, putting it registered to ourselves. If anyone listened to Eon again on that one that deal with things you need to know, he talks about uh, using the post office to uh, uh, change the address for 3575. And I, I was filling one out and I got to mail it. The post office, 3575, where you're taking everything apparently that deals with your straw man or your the state birth certificate is going through vital statistic address. So you're taking things away from uh, or drawing things and changing the address so things that the uh, your birth certificate is receiving will be transferred to your local P.O. box or home address or whatever you're using. You're, you're transferring stuff, so now you're really in control of things, another way of showing that you are the age of majority by taking it away from the address and vital statistics and transferring it to yourself at your address or your P.O. box at your home. At the same time, it was saying that any certificates that you have, and they have numbers or uh, court cases, instead of putting your name in the in, in, as a debtor or as where you transfer to, you can use your birth number, or if it's a case, you can use a case number and the address of wherever, and he, that's what's confusing, where it, whether it's the precinct where the case is at or do they have a national place in a, in a state that holds, that houses all the uh, uh, court cases. That is what I'm looking at, looking for right now. Let's see. If it's federal, there's a place called the AOU where it houses all federal court cases, and you take that address and you're moving it from that address to your address. So what he's doing here is, 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 is similar to what I have been doing when I'm getting a um, certificate or a, uh, a, a bill or whatever and I'm, or a, a judgment and I'm taking a sort of getting a certified copy of it, and I'm putting an a, a affidavit on top of it. I'm authenticating it, and I'm registering it to myself. This would be what another method of putting something in your trust, so you can tell them to take care of it. Take care of it. You're the trustee. They're bankrupt. The bankrupt people are trustees. The trustees have. The oath of office they take, they took oath of office, so you talk to somebody who's bonded and took an oath, and their instruction is the, which is in a trust is called an indenture, will be the uh, oath of the uh, Constitution of the United States. Those are the instructions that England gave those people who took an oath of office of how to treat the people here in the United States. That was their contract. Or how to deal with it, how to deal with people because we well, they want to get their money. They got there's a foreign debt out there that they want their funds from. So they don't want you want them to be mistreating us. They want their funds. The problem is this: not only are they getting their funds, or not, I, no, I'm sorry, they're not even paying overseas, but they're stealing it as private corporations. They're getting profits 
from your funds that actually will be paying off the public debt, but it's it's, it's just uh, enhancing their crimes. That's what they're doing. That's why the Pope has put them on notice. He's put them on notice. He's not even getting paid. He's upset, very mad. Something's coming down the wire, folks, and I just suggest you be ready. But a lot of us are still slaves. We still got that slave man mentality. You know, um, I do have a situation. Well, I'm, let's put it like this. I'm, I'm changing my approach this year in dealing with folks. Uh, people call me, and then they have four or five folks on the phone, and I'm supposed to be answering everybody, not only their, with their debt, now they're talking about their father debt and their mama debt. I'm just, look, I am not, if you're going to be uh, <clears throat> calling me with four or five people, y'all put 50 bucks together, don't have no minimum of five folks, and then you set up a conference call, and I can talk to all of you all because I'm not here to, you know, waste my time. This is free. Call and they also can call, and they could call you on Sundays. That's what you're here for. Yeah, call. That's what I said. This, this, this here is free. You ain't gonna pay nothing. Call me here, free. But you want me to? You calling me with five or six people online? I got, you know, oh, what, what, you know, mm-hmm. so what? I go talk four or five hours and and lose my voice and energy and headaches of y'all problems. Come on, folks. People are Please. so they just use it. You gotta we yeah. gotta come out of that. We gotta come out of that. Well, Miss Rice, we have about eight minutes and give people your your Skype number. Okay. Yeah, I like Skype. My email acts up. But my Skype is Rice Tech R I C E T E C H six five five seven. Rice Tech R I C E T E C H Six five five seven. My email is rice home r i c e h o m e one two zero seven four at j u n o dot com juno dot com. So that's my email r i c e h o m e one two zero seven four at juno dot com. You want to give them your website where they could download our recordings. Uh, com is all one word, forward slash truth, and the number two, and the word power, truth to power. Late, uh, and you, they're able to download these recordings and past uh, sessions that we have? Yes, yes. Everything that's uh, all the shows. Uh, is here. I suggest that you download them. Uh, so if anything happened to the internet, you have your own private uh, library that you can go back and listen and get the information. Yes, and and please, folks, it, there's really nothing new under the sun here. I, you know, everyone seems to think they've got a unique position, but I'm telling you, it's, you may have unique, but the answer is right there in your documentation that you're just not reading. I'm trying to interpret them for you a little bit, but you still have to do your own due diligence. Mm-hmm. Don't just say Myron did it, Myron did it. You know, um, I'm just trying to point you to the water. I'm not here to force your head in there to drink it, but you got to be considerate. You know, don't be calling me with five or six people on there, you know, expecting me to talk to each one. Each one got their own situation and stuff. I, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. 
And I'm not sounding rude or trying to be rude. You know, I'm not like some of the gurus are charging up the wazuki. I'm not doing that. Come on. I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to let you know that, you know, my time is precious, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And we appreciate that you take the time to come here every Sunday and help us get through this maze, get, help us to understand uh, this coded language that they are using. So we definitely yeah. appreciate that. And and I, I would appreciate even more if we got some cons, you know, some pros of what people's doing out there. I like that caller well, the 419 caller, where she was saying what she was doing and saying, mm-hmm. how long she was yeah. going, talking to people. You know, we we right. all go through, we all go through that stuff. So, but you do. However, you really need to be more accurate of understanding how to relate things back to them. Because if you can, mm-hmm. if you can't, if you don't understand and relate, and you're expecting them, and they definitely don't know what you're talking about, then then you won't get any results. You won't get any good results. But I go in and here. Somebody, I, I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. And somebody in the chat room says to uh, people to study case law. You can study case law at any library regarding your situation and also to study the statutes at large. Yeah, well, I just gave you a reference that I thought that you could almost bring up. I mean, you could download them all PDF files. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, as we're talking, and you put in a, pe- a volume and page number. I, I, every time I, I give this out, I always get someone emailing me or texting me, oh, thank you. That was a very good suggestion, what you did here. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, Mr. Rice, we are down to the last two minutes. And, again, we appreciate you taking the time. And, people, uh, be considerate. You know, Mr. Rice, come out every Sunday to share these valuable information. Send them a donation. Don't just take, take, take. You have to be able to give. You know, send them a donation to help him with his research, to help him with his ink and things like that that he's using. So we got to learn how to help the people that is taking the time out to help us. So uh, they can, you can contact Mr. Rice at his Skype number or his email number. And uh, give your Skype number out again. My Skype number is Rice Tech, R-I-C-E-T-E-C-H, 6557. And, and, and understand, it's not about the money as I want you to do these things and come back with a testimony. Yeah? That's what it's about. I had this one guy, I don't know why you call he he discharged his mama's debt, he's doing what I was saying, but he's not coming on. People do things and they're too scared. I don't get it. You scared I wasn't scared to give you the information. Why you wanna be scared not to tell us what you did and the results of what you're doing. Whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. Just do something, people. Do something. The time is and, short. You can't keep sitting yeah. on your hands. Yeah. And usually when you do something, you get it then. Because everything that I did, even the stuff I mess up on, it's stuck. I understand it because I did it. Right, exactly. You you learn from your own mistakes. That's that's beautiful. If you don't do nothing, how you learn it? You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. 
Well, okay. Mr. Rice, I, I appreciate yeah. you, and I thank you so much for joining us and taking your time out. Okay, then. Peace and love, everybody. Oh. See you next okay. week. Okay. Uh, send me some, send me some uh, subject matters that I can talk to on Sunday. I can uh, okay. you know, type it to me so All I right. can talk about it. Peace. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, peace. And join me tomorrow at 9 o'clock. I will have uh, Brother Robert X on tomorrow. So much, much love, and thank you for joining. Mm-hmm.